I'm going to take a couple of minutes and share with you some more on the life of Peter. You know that I've been camped out here. A couple of weeks ago, we spoke about Acts chapter 3. little context there. Peter and John were on their way to the temple, and there was a man who had been lame since birth who was laying at a gate called Beautiful. The man had asked them for money, and Peter's response was, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. At the moment that this happens, this man who had never taken a step Peter reaches down, he helps the man up, and the man goes running, leaping, and praising God. This is where it left off. We go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, the very first verse says, Now as they, this is Peter and John, spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them. Verse 2 says, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Notice that when a miracle happens, something that the Bible says the people that witnessed that miracle were left in awe. Notice who comes against Peter and John right away, the religious God protect us from becoming the religious. When it comes to the gospel, if you ever get to the place where the proclamation of the gospel makes you angry or makes you uncomfortable, if it is being taught from God's word, if it adheres to God's word, then you should not get upset about that word being preached. God protect us. Verse 3 says, They laid hands on Peter and John. They put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. If the enemy specializes in anything, it's trying to break momentum. In your life, if you are walking in a season that has been marked with blessing, there are times that the enemy is going to try to hit the pause button on you because he wants to break the momentum. There are times that when you are going along and you you have your footing that you feel like the enemy is going to come along and he's going to try to break that momentum. Do you know why he does that? Because by the numbers, there will be some who will not return to what they were doing before the pause. He knows this. He knows this. He knows if enough discouragement comes their way, they may stop. What I love about this is the fact that Peter and John ran into an enough moment. What do I mean by this? I mean that when they were doing what God called them to do, when they're preaching Jesus, when they're operating under the power of the Holy Spirit, they run into this wall of enough. Here's a prayer that I have, that we as a church run into those walls of enough with the world because we don't relent from preaching the gospel. We don't relent for praying for people. We don't relent on the things that we know we're supposed to do. I'm not saying being belligerent with the world. 
I'm saying walking in your calling and walking in salvation to the point where people are just like, what is going on here? Break momentum. Understand that what started at the gate doesn't stop at the gate. What started there with the healing didn't stay there. It began to spill over. It spilled over because the man who got healed runs pretty much to church, and he's leaping, and he's yelling out, and that kind of causes a scene, right? It's not going to stay in places that make us comfortable when God does what God's going to do. Expect God to do things that make the comfortable uncomfortable. Do you know what the enemy cannot do? He can't revoke the promises. He can't do it. I say that to some of you because you're in a season where the enemy has been throwing questions your way. The enemy has been trying to get in your head. How I've said before, those 3 a.m. meetings that the enemy tries to schedule with you. He cannot steal your joy. He can't do it. And remember when we talked before, that's not steal my happy or steal my smile. I'm talking steal my joy, that thing down deep inside that Jesus put there that cannot be taken. He cannot stop what God has set in motion. He can't do it. Try as he might. And here's a thing that he couldn't do that day. He could not convince those that were hungry for Jesus Christ that what they experienced with that man who got healed was counterfeit. I say that to everyone in here because you need to take a moment. You need to think of something that God stepped in and did. You need to think of a testimony that you know that you know, that regardless of what the enemy tries to throw, you have that as that reference point to say, I know what my God can do. I know what my God can do. He can do it in a life, and that devil cannot steal it. Imagine this. This word persecution. This Acts chapter 4 says it's the first time that persecution had happened. We don't even really understand that word persecution sometimes. In the church, we can exaggerate things. My own children, God bless them. They have almost starved to death, been bored to death, froze to death, all under my care. We can exaggerate things, right? We can say we're being persecuted. Here's what's wild. There was a mission that this church sowed into. There were people who were from Conneaut who went on a mission, and they went to China, and they worked in a university, and part of their job in that was to minister to people. Kind of an underground church, if you will. And one of the things that they told us about that was that if you were caught as a Chinese citizen attending an underground church, you could be executed and your family would be sent the bill for the bullet that they used. That's persecution. Because someone at Starbucks looks over at me mean when I'm having coffee with Zach and somebody's like, they're talking about Jesus too much. Can you turn that down? That's not persecution, is it? No, that's just somebody that doesn't like us talking about what we're talking about. I'm saying it in a way because 
we need to line up this idea that the early church faced such persecution every time that they went out, yet they did what they did. Here's a question. If every time the Holy Spirit moved, would you be willing to spend the night in jail? Because that's what happened to them. The Holy Spirit did something, and they're like, well, we don't know what's going on, but we know we probably should lock them up and give us time to think. What the enemy can't do, he can't dig up the seeds that were planted. I love it. I love this idea. I had seen a movie about a kid who had buried a jar of pennies under the porch, and he forgot where he buried them, and he spent the whole summer digging holes trying to find that jar of pennies. That's how I feel like the devil is. Like, he thinks he can dig them all up, and he can dig holes all over the yard, but he is not going to dig up what has been planted. It is up to you to live the sermon. What do I mean by that? I mean, we can get in church, and we are all about the sermon. We're all about Jesus. But are you living the sermon as you go about your life? I read a study, and it was about an oak tree, an average oak tree. Don't even ask me why I looked this up. It had nothing to do with the sermon. An average oak tree can bear 10,000 acorns. Out of that 10,000, one may develop into a tree. I don't say that to discourage you, but I'm telling you, you always need to be making acorns. When it comes to preaching, when it comes to sharing, you always need to be putting that out there. Because here's the truth with the tree. The tree doesn't make 9,999 knowing that they may not grow. It makes every single one as if that's the one that's going to grow. When it comes to what we do, we need to get to a place where we don't waver, where we're always putting out there Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. When we talk about who Jesus really is, there is no gospel zero. I just had Dr. Pepper zero the other day. There is no gospel zero. It is all the gospel. It's every bit. It's like the jolt cola, double the caffeine, double the sugar. It is everything. There was a commercial during the Super Bowl. He gets us. And part of me is thrilled that it's not another beer commercial, but it's about Jesus, right? But the other part of me is tired of Jesus being painted in a way like he needs to get me. I need to get Jesus Christ. I need my life rocked by Jesus Christ. I need to understand that when I follow Jesus, that it's going to cost me in some ways. When the religious got upset, it can become easy to become religious in church society today. The formality of church is for our comfort. The time frame of church, sometimes it's for our comfort. You may be sitting there and thinking, those terrible religious people. Well, here's a question. How squirmy would you get at 1210 today? Right? I do it. I'm like, what's going on? All the good chicken's going to be gone by the time I get there. (laughs) But with religion, here's what really tips it. When you bring in the gospel. As I was studying... I can't help but be overtaken by the good weight of the gospel. 
the eternity-altering love of a Savior whose suffering, death, and resurrection provide atonement for my sin. That daily energizes me that I never get so far from the cross that I've outgrown it, but that I need the Messiah. This is what makes people uncomfortable. It's okay to whisper, Jesus, but don't make a fuss. It's okay to put him in with other role models of mankind, but don't proclaim him. Don't live like you believe it. Verse 5 of chapter 4 says, And it came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together in Jerusalem. The enemy is going to want to call you on the carpet at times, and he's going to want to intimidate you. They literally brought in family members so that the room looked more crowded, so that John and Peter could be intimidated. In a way of saying, remember who we are. Remember when Jesus was crucified. Remember when the death sentence was handed down. Who do you think started that ball rolling? This was the group, right? And so they're trying to intimidate, trying to outnumber. They're trying to create movements of us and them. If there's something that the church needs to be aware of today, it's this idea of us and them. It's this idea that we can create these movements where we can get together and we can think that we are the ones who can tell everyone else they're wrong. Well, me and my friend know theology, and you're just wrong. There are complete church movements that are built on that. I'll tell you what, words that did not save my soul, the current Reformation movement, Calvinism, Armenianism, the TULIP acronym, cessationalism, continuationism. You know what did save my soul? Jesus Christ, that. I am fed up with God's word being used like some kind of battering ram to knock people down. Because every good theologian will go to their grave. But Jesus Christ, death, hell, and the grave, none of that, none of that stood in the way of a Savior. Verse 7, when they had set Peter and John in the midst, they asked them, By what power or by what name have you done this? (laughs) This is still the question, right? This is still the question that the world asks. Like, you know, what's going on here? Explain. What gives you the right? And in a way, here's what's weird, is the world would like to believe that they are giving us a permit to do what we do. Have we allowed this level of belief? The permit to do what we do was sealed by the covenant in Jesus' blood. It does not expire. We will proclaim it. We will stand on it. When you say persecution, and I'm just going to get very real about this, we have this idea that persecution won't happen. No, I'm not going to 
stand here and throw out fear tactics, but I'm going to say as clearly as I can. If I continue to preach God's word and to say what God's word says, there will come a time that I would not doubt that someone will come and escort me off the stage in cuffs. You don't believe that? The time is coming when the church, as easy as it has had it, that the heat's going to get turned up. And what's wild about it is that the early church lived in that shadow of knowing if we go there, it could cost us that. If we go there, it could cost us that. And look at the passion in the early church. And I'm saying in my heart, God, if that is what we need to fire us up, then take it there. Then Peter, this one's tough. I'm going to try to get through this verse. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, then by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. And verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under the heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Years ago, Oprah would do a find your spirit segment. And Jesus would be mentioned alongside the Dalai Lama or crystals or life coaches or anything else. There is no other name. We live in a time when sin is redefined. We live in a time where people may get together and deconstruct their faith, but they are together and they figure we're right. We are not in a time where if you walk with a big enough crowd, it negates what the Bible says. The name of Jesus is forbidden. (laughs) Verse 13 to 14 Now, when they saw, when the religious leaders saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Do you want to know why I wear work boots? Do you want to know why I wear the same jeans? Because I want whoever walks in that back door, whatever they're wearing. To know that Jesus Christ doesn't require a three-piece suit. To save a soul. And I'm not knocking that. Believe me. What I'm saying is, it's to remove the formality that is perceived when someone comes in and feels like a them according to us. I want the gospel to be accessible. I glory in the fact that these men, uneducated and untrained. In other words, these two bumpkins... Good Lord, what a privilege they had. It says that those who were questioning in verse 13 realized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. 
Just like Moses coming down off the mountain, nobody could unsee his face. And the idea when you get with Jesus, it leaves something on you. It leaves something on you. And people will notice something different about you. The show CSI, the redheaded guy with the sunglasses, he'd always say, the evidence doesn't lie. Oh, it still doesn't lie. Those men didn't look the part. They didn't act the part. But understand the words coming out of their mouth that came from a higher place. I was just speaking to someone this morning who God has placed a calling on to do what they're going to do in a profession. And we were just talking about the fact that there are times that you will feel like you're without words. And it's in those moments when you know God has placed you in a situation, when you begin to feel that, oh, man, the Holy Spirit is here. And the words will not even be yours at times. But are you willing to open your mouth? Their composure came from a comforter. Their point of reference, it wasn't based on who was standing before them questioning them. It was based on Jesus Christ. Can you just see as they're inquiring about what went on? No, hold on, hold on. We got to get this straight. Going to go question these guys. Throw them in jail because we can do that. Now, what happened? Joe, Joe that hadn't walked a day of his life in 40 years. That Joe. Yeah, that Joe. He did what? He asked him for money. Well, yeah, Joe always asks people for money. That's what Joe does. And Peter said, what? Silver and gold. No, and then what happened? Well, and then he leaps up and takes off praising God. No, no, like what else did he say before? No, no, that's all that happened. And see, this is the way the world's going to replay things. They're going to be like, no, no, hold on, what happened there? We need to connect these dots. And at the end of that sense, it's going to be, and then Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ. Let that be part of the story that is told. One of the marks of a spirit-filled life is boldness. What's wild about this is they're asking that story. No, not many people saw what happened, right, with Joe? I mean, maybe a couple hundred, maybe a thousand or so. I don't know. And what was their reaction? Well, they were left in awe. The beauty of this is that so many were added to the church right about the time that these two men were getting questioned, right about the time they were getting thrown in jail. People were giving their hearts to Jesus Christ and the church is being added to. Just because you don't see the revival break out before your eyes doesn't mean that revival is not happening. Boldness. Church, I'm just going to be real. It says boldness, not belligerence. We need boldness to preach the gospel. I was talking to the teens the other night, and I made a statement to them, and I'll stand by it. It is up to us to spread the gospel, because there are people who may not hear the gospel unless you share it with them. And I explained to them, imagine getting to heaven and seeing a line of people and Jesus being like, you see these people over here? Because you were obedient and shared me with them, they accepted me. 
But on the other side, imagine seeing a list of people that you were too busy, too angry with, that they didn't agree with your politics, that they got on your nerves, that they were work that we didn't want to share Jesus with. I'm going to close. There's something that damages electronics that I've learned, and that's power surges. When the power fluctuates, bad things happen. When it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, I would urge you as a church to live in a manner that is spiritually consistent. Because the very people that God is going to place in your path to share the gospel with need to see you on an even plane. Because if you're up here on Tuesday and down here on Thursday, they don't know what they're going to get. And we don't need a box of chocolates walk as much as we need a consistent walk. Let your life be a sermon without end. Know that when you run into those enough moments that maybe God has placed you there for a reason. And live every moment as though you were standing before that council representing for Jesus Christ. I'm going to end on this. If you are here and the majority of what I have just said sounds like church speak, but there's something in your heart saying there must be more. In God's great love for you, knowing you on your worst day, he sent his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was blameless. But he took the sin of this world upon himself. He died a horrific death. He was placed in a tomb that was borrowed. And three days later, just as he said, was resurrected from that tomb. The simplicity of that is this, that by asking Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, the past is wiped away and a future with Jesus is right there for the taking. I say that to you because maybe church has been complicated at times. But that same thing that I just said is a truth that everyone who claims to be a Christian heard and it got in their heart and their spirit. This is an opportunity if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior to do that. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask everyone to stand.
I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And I would ask you to repeat. Here's the thing. It's not about repetition and getting it right. It's not like a repetition test. And that, that is what salvation is. No. It's about believing in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is about asking him, God, anything that doesn't look like you, I am sorry. Be my Lord. If you'll bow your heads, we're going to pray. Everyone repeating. Jesus, I believe you are the Messiah. Father, I ask you to forgive all the wrong. I believe that you died on a cross for my sin. Welcome to the family. Amen.